name is Miles Cheadle, and welcome back to another episode of the PS Plus. This is the Living Faith Bible Institute podcast, and this podcast serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, in that podcast, my dear friend and my pastor, Brandon Briscoe, speaks to other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. And here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we cover more focused topics in a serious format. And right now we're moving through a series focused on Jesus Christ. This is our fourth episode in that series. And in our last episode, we discussed the fact that there are four gospel accounts and that these four views come together to give us a more complete picture of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ than could be accomplished alone. And yet, individually, they provide nuance to aspects of his ministry. Today, we will introduce Jesus's earthly ministry with an emphasis on his miracles. And so let's do this thing. In Matthew chapter two, we learn of wise men from the East that come seeking Jesus. My pastor, Sam Miles says that, that wise men seek Jesus. And so in verse 11, we find these wise men, that they come, they fall down, and they worship at the feet of Jesus. And as they're worshiping him, they offer three gifts. The first gift is gold. The second gift is frankincense. And the third gift is myrrh. And this might seem like an odd place to begin uh, as we consider the earthly ministry of Jesus. Uh, but I think that this is a perfect way to really set up the remaining episodes uh, that we're going to look at. Because these three gifts, they become representative of the three offices that Christ holds. And subsequently, the next three phases of his ministry. Gold is a gift for a king, and it shows Christ's royalty. And so the first office that Jesus holds is king. He is a king of kings and the Lord of lords. Next, we see frankincense was used for his office as a priest, showing his purity. In, in Hebrews, we see that, that Jesus Christ is our high priest. And lastly, myrrh was for his death as a prophet, showing his misery. And again, we will examine these three offices in the coming weeks, and we will use them as a lens to view different seasons of Christ's ministry through. But for this week, we are examining Christ as a prophet, and we're going to utilize uh, the office of a prophet to view Christ's earthly ministry. And I'll tell you up front that this is too big of a topic for us. All of these topics are too big for us to cover in these short podcasts. Uh, and I just decided to, to break up this idea of Christ as prophet through the lens of his earthly ministry. And we're going to spend three weeks on this uh, because really there are three things that I, I consider when I consider the, the roles, the responsibilities, uh, you know, what we learn of prophets through scripture. And so let's look at myrrh again. Again, myrrh is the gift that's representative of Christ's office as a prophet. And myrrh was the first and the last gift that Jesus receives in the Gospels. And so it serves as really this perfect bookends to Jesus Christ's earthly ministry as a prophet. The Gospels begin with Jesus receiving myrrh as a child from the wise men in the book of Matthew. 
And it ends in the book of John with Nicodemus bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloy to anoint Christ's body after his crucifixion. And considering Jesus through the lens of a prophet, again, there's really three aspects of his earthly ministry that come to the forefront of my mind. And these are the three topics that we're going to be covering over the next three episodes. The first topic is miracles. Miracles have never been prevalent throughout human history. And yet we can find these distinct seasons in scripture where miracles were prevalent. And we see this through Moses. We see this through the prophets, Elijah and Elisha. We see this in Jesus's day and in the book of Acts through the early church. And what we learn is that these miracles, they were around, they were in place in order to authenticate a message from God. They were signs to authenticate a message from God. Second, uh, you know, whenever I think about a prophet in scripture, uh, I think about teachings because a prophet's true calling, their, their true job is to declare a message, to say, thus saith the Lord. They were messengers. They were ambassadors. They were witnesses. They had a message to declare from God Almighty. And lastly, I, I think about persecution. You know, this world hated Jesus so much that they crucified him. And historically, God's messengers have not been beloved people. They were often unpopular because of the messages that they were bringing to a sinful and a corrupt world. And rather than being met with love, most of these men were met with severe persecution or even death. So with this setup, we're going to dedicate the rest of this episode to peel back layers to that first aspect of Christ's earthly ministry his miracles. And did you know that Jesus performed roughly 37 miracles that are recorded throughout the gospel accounts? And just for for, for clarity, a miracle is a supernatural occurrence or ability. And these occurrences are also known as signs in scripture. And just like a, a sign on the road points in a certain direction or tells you where or what something is, The function of a miracle or the function of a sign in scripture is to authenticate a message. And in the case of Christ, to prove that he is the Messiah. I just want to make sure that you got that. So again, that the purpose of a sign on a road is to reveal what something is, what direction you're headed, where you're going. And the function of these signs, these wonders, these miracles that Jesus was doing was to show that he is the Messiah, was to reveal who he was, to reveal where they were going, that Jesus was in fact the way, the truth, and the life. And so this is really, it's incredible. And so again, these were supernatural wonders and miracles that Jesus physically wrought in this world. And yet, Even though they were supernatural, it was the natural result of the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in Jesus. It only made sense. And so secondly, you know, although these miracles, they they were true, they were authentic, they revealed Jesus for who he was. These miracles were also pictures and types 
of the work that Christ does spiritually in the lives of believers even today. And so whenever we see a miracle of Jesus healing a literal blind man, well, I can think back and realize that he gave me spiritual sight. And yes, Jesus literally raised a man from the dead. And I can look back and I can be confident that he restored the spiritual life in me whenever I was dead in my trespasses and sin. And I can see in scripture clear as day that there was a man who was a leper and Jesus cleansed him. But y'all, he showed me how to gain victory over sin in my life. I can look and I can see Jesus still a storm just by speaking to it. And y'all, he can provide peace for me in seasons of anxiety and fear with this still calm voice. And so this is very, very exciting. These are incredible stories to read about. Yes, Jesus, he, he literally, he physically did these incredible feats in this world. And they have the utmost relevance for our lives today. And so let's take the remainder of the time that we have to examine one or, or two miracles from the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. I wish we could walk through all of them. And so let's understand that, that Christ physically wrought miracles, demonstrating his power over the things of this world, both physical and spiritual. These miracles, they should produce in us an awe and reverence for Jesus, an attentiveness to his word, and a faith that he can intervene even in the most dire of circumstances. And so again, let's dig in and see what we can learn today. So the first miracle that we're going to look at tonight and possibly the, the last, just depending on how quick I can get through this, is going to be the first one that comes up uh, just in terms of the, the sequential order of Christ's life in Scripture. And we actually find it in the book of John, chapter 2. And this is a pretty famous miracle. Any casual reader of the Bible has probably come across this or at least heard the story of Jesus turning water into wine. And so we see this take place on the third day in the Cana of Galilee as Jesus is called with his disciples uh, really to this beautiful marriage supper. Uh, supper. And uh, during this occasion, we see that Christ's mother comes to Jesus, letting him know that they're out of wine. There's no wine. And Jesus is like, what, what do you want me to do about this? And yet, we're going to find some beautiful pictures and types here through this first miracle that, that we should consider. And I think that it's fitting to start with the, the fact that Jesus is not our personal genie, right? We don't have these golden lamps where we get to just rub it with our hands and Jesus pops up and he does whatever we say that we want. And I think that, you know, this is clear. You know, we see that, that Mary clearly has her own agenda here. And Christ tells her that mine hour is not yet come. And so just like Mary can't force her own agenda, even though she's his mother on the person of Christ, well, we can't do that with the person of Christ either. He is not our personal genie to bend to our wills and to our wants. In fact, we are his servants to serve him however he sees his fit. And Mary is very receptive to this. We see her really 
receive this. And she turns to the servants and says, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And man, that's got to be our response. We are here to serve Jesus. He is Lord of our life. He's not here to serve us. And so in verse six, we find that there are six water pots of stone after the matter or after the manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. And so here we find uh, really a beautiful picture. Six is a number of man. Man is created on the sixth day. And these stone earthen vessels are these beautiful type of man. Again, we were crafted by the Lord out of the clay, out of the dirt. From, from dust we came to dust we return. And so we are these earthen vessels used for the Lord. And we find that these earthen vessels, they had a very re- religious um, kind of ritualistic um, responsibility. These water pots, they were used for the washing of hands. And what Jesus does is he removes this opportunity for them to wash his hands. He's not interested in this appearance of holiness. This is the whole problem with the Pharisees. You know, they were these beautiful, whited sepulchers on the outside. And yet internally on the inside, they were nothing but but death, dead man's bones. And so instead of, you know, cleansing them on the outside, his goal was to start cleansing them from the inside out, to take these, you know, these, these religious vessels and to make them fit for the master's use, right? Man, apart from God, he, he only has religion. He's empty. And so the first thing that Jesus orders for the servants to do is to fill these pots with water. And what is that? Ephesians 5, that's the word of God. You know, in, in John chapter 7, we see the Holy Spirit of God. What's he doing? He's ordering us to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with his word. Jesus, he wants to fill us up. He's not stingy. He wants us to be abundant in him. And so we find this beautiful picture of Jesus taking these vessels that are only used for religion. And he puts water in them and he brings new life. He, he brings this beautiful type of wine. And what Jesus offers, I mean, it's better than anything that this world has to offer. This is his first miracle. And, you know, as we look at the end of it, we see that the governor of the feast he calls the bridegroom, which is, again, this beautiful picture of Christ. And he says, every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. And isn't that true? We see all this blood spilled in the Old Testament. We see all these sacrifices spilled in the Old Testament. And yet the better sacrifices in the person of Christ. And so as we end, the beautiful thing about this marriage supper is that it points back and it points forward. So again, this is the first miracle of Jesus and he turns water into wine. And if we look back, again, this type of the prophets. So if we look back to the first, to, to Moses, we see that the first miracle that Moses performs as he turns water into blood. In Egypt, Moses, he puts his staff in the water 
and it becomes blood. And what is the result of this? Everything dies. Why? Because blood is tainted by sin. And so, yes, you know, this miracle is being tied back to Moses's first miracle in this very beautiful way. And one of the pictures it paints is that what the law made bitter, well, Christ made it sweet. With the law came death, and with Christ it came life. And so with this miracle, it points us back to the law and that Christ is better. And with this miracle, it also points us forward. The truth is that Jesus is the true bridegroom. And he came into this world seeking a bride. And one day we will sit down with him at the marriage supper of the lamb. And we will eat and we will drink and we'll be merry with our groom. And I can't wait for it. And so with Christ's miracles, he wants to do an incredible work in and through you. Will you let him? Thanks for joining us with another episode of the PS Plus. Uh, There's so much more that we want to dive into. And so come join us next week as we consider another aspect of Christ's earthly ministry. We'll look at Jesus Christ as a teacher. Thanks. God bless.